It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740TheFan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. Hands it off to Corm, running right. He's got room across the 25. Blake Corm, 30. Blake Corm, 35, 40. Blake Corm down the sideline, 40, 35. Cuts back inside and gets tracked down from behind at the Washington 20-yard line. The Michigan run game flexing its muscle. Pistol formation. J.J. takes the snap. Hands it off to Edwards, who will bounce it outside. Donovan, 40. Donovan, 30. Donovan Edwards is in the clear. He'll do it again. His second touchdown run of the ball game. This time for 46 yards. And Michigan has taken a 13-3 lead. Blake Corm off the left hip of J.J. McCarthy in a shotgun. Snap. Blake run him right. Cuts up field at the 10. Breaks a tackle to the 5. Blake Corm to the goal line. To the end zone. Touchdown Wolverines. Blake Corm with the touchdown run. And Michigan extends the lead to 26-13. When they write my star. I'm just happy that I was able to finish it with the guys. You know, I, I knew that I didn't want nothing to take me out of that game, you know, because, you know, I've been through it too much, you know, and I knew that no matter what, I was going to make sure that I finished for the guys and, you know, just give them my all. The Penix fires over the middle, and it is intercepted. Mikey Sabres still going the other way. 20, 25, 30. Mikey Sabres still to the 40, to the 50. Mikey Sabres still down the field. Inside the 20. Cuts back inside at the 10. And he's dragged down at the Washington 6-yard line. JJ takes the snap. Flips the ball to Roman Wilson after he takes a knee. And Michigan, the Wolverines, have won a national championship. The C is for the courage I possess through the trauma. I get to sit at the uh, the big person's table now. Uh, that, that feels really good. Just uh, you know, to be to be the only coach in your own family that you know, hasn't won a national t- title uh, or Super Bowl, the, the championship. Uh, that, that feels great personally. Trying to get it back to Hunt, but that pass is intercepted. And Steele shorthanded for Dallas. Back to Faxa. He scores a second shorthanded goal tonight. Four this season by the Stars against the Wild. And it's 3-0 Dallas. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was the biggest difference in the game. You know, we had six six power plays to their two and uh, five on three and gave up two shorties. You know, that's a, that's a, it's hard enough to win in the league, but you can't, you can't, you know, have uh, those situations where either you don't execute, but not only don't you not execute, you give up goals. God's going to have a plan, and I'll trust him, and it's more my job to relinquish things and not hold them so tightly, and nothing has taught me that more than this injury of the importance of, of just letting go and trusting and um, and seeing where things go and doing your part, but um, seeing where things go. It is a, by about ready to say Wednesday, Derek. I can't move this week along fast. Yeah. It's Tuesday, Jack Michael Show, Derek Hanson in the house. On that, that was the cleaning out the lockers conversation with uh, Kirk Cousins yesterday, and I'm curious when March rolls along with the uh, with as he becomes an unrestricted free agent, and usually we say the athletes, their representatives uh, go to bat and make those deals with the uh, team. I think deep down, sincerely, Kirk uh, enjoys being a Minnesota Viking. I think he, his mindset is as any great any athlete is. And we're going to recover from this Achilles. He's going to feel good. He's going to go out there and feel so he can contribute. And then there's the dollar amount where I think Kirk, we, even I listened to it live, I thought uh, it's not about the money. It's what the money represents. He was talking about that story. So I get all that. Uh, I think the Vic- I would think the Vikings, well, I don't know. Can't speak for the Vikings. We'll find out what Crazy uh, comes out and says. But I would I'd imagine when the, the pony, if there were ponies in the stable and one of them's a little injured, Probably a terrible reference because I know what injured ponies, they're 
probably a terrible reference there because they they kind of put them, <laughs> yeah. they put those down. Yeah. They put those down. Not a good, not a good ending to that whole situation, <laughs> right? But I'm saying, if you're the Vikings, you're looking at what you have in your stable, and uh, and and what do you do with your lead, if not thoroughbred, at least your your sturdy horse that you can put in the pocket and have him throw balls. And, and, and you know, what these thoroughbreds coming up. So that's kind of the deal. And with Kirk, it appears certainly that he is that money, actual physical money, as he said, I've been blessed with, and he has been. He's had franchise day contracts. He's had, he's made a good living where he is. His agent has done very well for yes, him. Yes, he has. There's it, no doubt. Generationally speaking, his grand, I would hope so. grandchildren are taken care of. His grandchildren's children are taken care of. Uh, he'll be long off the earth, and the, the legacy of Kirk's dollars will still be rippling through. De- so it's not, and I well, believe, you'd hope so. You would, well, yeah. so, we'll some s- some players we'll haven't done so well with right, that, right? It's but Kirk, it doesn't look. Kirk after, seems like he's know, a little different than after more. watching the Netflix series quarterback. It doesn't seem like he's you know. He's not living high in the hog. He's about no. as normal as a dude no. as you get. So, I mean, it's not, it's not like he has three basketball courts, five swimming pools, right. and all that going on. I don't right? look at Kirk and see any part of him that's not genuine. Like, he seemed like a oh, genu- right? like yeah. genuine guy. Uh, now, you know, whether that, that means Super Bowls and all that, we can get into the, all of that. But, but it sounds like he wants to uh, remain a Viking. But is smart enough to know that let his agents go because again, you know, these are all. This is where the business side does come in. So that that and I and I believe him. I think. But, I but if think he he's says driven something by the dollars, yeah. But if he goes out and signs a deal with the Atlanta Falcons for fifty million dollars a year for the next two years, yeah, then it's going to look a little bit more. Oh, it's not about the money, is it, Kirk? So we got to know what actually before we can really say right. what the, he's all about, we'll find out when he signs his contract with the Vikings or whoever he signs with. Right? I think there are pieces to the – if he signs for the Falcons uh, for $50 million and not the Vikings, I think then we would have to say, well, then why didn't he sign it? Because he said it wasn't <laughs> well, about the right. money. But then you're looking going, oh, wait a minute. Maybe they're not locked into Justin Jefferson. Maybe the plan going forward isn't kind of what Kirk – you know, that's what I mean. I, there, there, there might be some other things that other than the – you know, whatever's offered him. You know what I mean? It's not just, I think, the structure when the whole thing for him, because he's not getting any younger. My guess is that all these guys want one thing, and gals, for that matter, that play pro. Yeah, the dollars are nice. You make a living. But they're in this baby for an R-I-N-G. And, 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 and well, maybe not all, Derek, but I think that guys like Cousins, I think, deeply, yeah, genuinely I think he wants, wants to win a Super Bowl, wants for sure. to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. And would probably love to win one for the team that has never won one. Right. Uh, I don't think there's any question. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, with he and his agent, what they decide. I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a meeting, and I think with it, what he has going on, if you're Quasio Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, if you're not having to sit down with them, are we all on the same page here? I think that would be a yeah. big mistake. I think they, I mean... And whether it happens or not, and whether his agents in the room or not, I mean, they, they got to figure that out. Because so, if you look at this offensive roster, right, you got Jefferson. Most likely, they they have him locked up. You know, he, they they have the rights to him no matter what. It's just whether or not they can sign him long term. Right. They have Jordan Addison, T.J. Hawkinson's hurt, but he is with the team. You have Darrison O'Neal. You got your center, and then you got two guards that you know you want to bring Reisner back, and you have Ed Ingram who improved a lot. Got dinged yep. up at the end of the season. So offensively, they're sitting okay. You would think on paper, on paper. right? Yeah. <laughs> minus, you're not turning the minus ball an over. Ankle and everything yeah. else, and well, say, turning the ball like, over in key times. I don't care who was, was that yeah. quarterback. That happened early on, and it happened late. So, well, it happened early on when he went zero and three to start this whole thing. Yeah, seven turnovers, I think, yeah. in the first what two, three games. And it wasn't all Curry. It was fumbles. It was every. I mean, it was just a lot of things, right? So you have that, and then it's the defense, I think, that you have to have question personnel-wise. because Aging in some spots? So many spots, right. Dinged and a lot of guys are going to be free agents. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. you got Wanham and Hunter, so your your edge rushers are gone, unless you can re-sign them. So right. there's, this, there's a lot within this roster you got to look at if you're Kirk Cousins as well. So going back it, it, to his point about uh, the dollars, which he, is, he said, it's fantastic. I've been blessed beyond my years and he broke down i was i walked off a high school field and i didn't think i'm gonna get recruited anywhere i was at washington thinking that's it and so i believe when he says that so then you take it to the next part yeah to your analogy well if he signs with atlanta or someplace for mm-hmm. like 50 going well the money didn't matter anything 
then maybe you look back and go, well, maybe the reason that he and his agent didn't necessarily choose Minnesota is because maybe there's some, in all niceness, sees some of the writing that's not on the wall. Or, or that is on the wall. You know what I mean? So I, 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 well, if he signs for f- over $40 million, I'm going to say, okay, it's not about the money. Seriously. I, I just, then, then everything he said there yesterday was phony. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just, I mean, but if he signs for 20 some million with Minnesota or someone else, well, then it was about the money. It's about getting another chance or whatever. I, I got I, it. I, I, you're going to throw your line at one of those, uh, you know, there's uh, the, uh, the egregious uh, kind of dollars that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Hey, I don't know where the line is exactly uh, with that. Maybe I'm not going to fault him. No. I mean, I mean, because but the y- you value, take it. Derek. If Atlanta throws sixty million at him, I'm not. I'm not going to fault them. It's just you're not going to fault them. Don't but, tell me it's about the money then. But is it about Atlanta? Because yeah, their roster about, isn't great right now. No, either. but is it about them valuing him so much that they feel this is part of the big key to advance in their debate? You know what I'm saying? See again, dollar, and then as Kirk said, is what was it, an agent or someone one time said it's it's not the money; it's what the money represents. So if you look at the, what the money represents, and it, it, we're using Atlanta here just hypothetically, they throw twice as much as the Vikings are, then doesn't that – couldn't you look at it in the way that, well, then Atlanta has value and cousins in their system, and they're throwing that much money out because they value him and what he can give them to reach postseason and beyond. Yeah. You know, so that wouldn't necessarily be Kirk grabbing money. It would be Kirk grabbing the perceived value that Atlanta has in him and giving him sixty or fifty million. You know what I mean? I mean, there there are two ways to kind of look at that. To me, well, I think if you come out yesterday in your locker room and say, "I want to be with these guys. I want to be back in Minnesota," it's not about about the money. And you go leave for more money. And if it comes out that the Vikings offered you twenty five million dollars and you took the sixty million dollars, well, then it's obviously about the money. I mean, it's just you can't have it both yeah, ways because there's 30, but, there's 35 million differential in right. your thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I get. What I think we're I think we're in similar territories here. Yeah, but I mean, I but that's that's how you set yourself up by saying something like that, though. Yeah, I, right. I, I mean, if you go out and you take more money for another team, I mean, and Minnesota sports fans are a little different. Why? Because they have two guys who have retired numbers of the Minnesota Twins who took less money to stay, and there's just yeah. no getting around it. So you're kind of spoiled to that. Harrison Smith wants to stay with the Vikings. He took less money last year to make that happen. Otherwise, they were going to cut him. Adam Thielen didn't. You know, yep. He said, oh, I'm not going to take a pay cut. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go where I think I'm valued more. And I think that he made a mistake. I think the organization made a mistake. I think that they would have been, certainly in those early games, when Jordan Addison was still trying to find his way, had been better off to have Adam Thielen on this team for those key third downs and shorts. And and you know, going in the red zone and being more effective in the red zone, certainly in those first three games of the season. But that's the risk that both of them took, and it didn't work out for either of them. The uh, <laughs> really, I, yeah, I don't think it, Thielen was real happy about the season that they had in Carolina. I would right. assume, right? Yeah. Calculated market value for Cousins thirty nine point six annual salary. Yeah, I and, I and I know where you're coming from. I I can I can they can hear that. I, I if it was. If if the Vikings offered him two years, twenty nine, and Atlanta, I think that'd be fair for both with the somewhere with, that, the, with the market rate of quarterbacks right now. And I'll be honest with you, and I look at it as a fan too. He's made a lot of money with the Minnesota Vikings since starting the season in two thousand eighteen, and has given them one playoff win. I mean, it's been very. I mean, I don't care. I don't want to hear the numbers. I don't want to hear the stats. I, I mean, that doesn't. It is about winning and losing. You brought him in because you thought he'd be better in Case Keenum, and he's given you as many playoff wins as Case Keenum gave you with the Vikings. It's not to say if he comes back at a let's like you said anywhere from twenty-five to thirty-five million dollars. That is the going rate for quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Then you're going, hey, you know what? He did want to be a Minnesota Viking. Yeah, and and if and if it was uh, two years, twenty-nine for the from the Vikings, and two years. 35 for Atlanta, and I'd say eh, he's probably chasing that extra six million. Right. You know, 100%. Your disparity was 25, mine uh-huh. was six, but, you know, I, I see a little bit where that angle is on that. I don't know. How many games has he lost for Minnesota? A few uh, with some turnovers and not being able to finish up a, you know, a four minute offensive drive to close out a game. I mean, you heard the term quite a bit, you know, with Bubba 
That four-minute yep. offense has killed. He, now, last year he had a lot of great two-minute comeback from behind victories. I mean, there's just no getting around it. You cannot argue with that. And he looked great in the San Francisco Monday night game this year. Looked great in Lambeau Field. He's had some great moments. He was great in that playoff win that he got against the Saints, and I was hoping that that would catapult him into the next season, and it uh, didn't. The what might have been, it's a little Texas song, by the way, the what might have been yeah. this year is hard, right? hard to sleep on if you're a Vikings well, fan. Well, people always say, I'm, oh, you don't like Cousins. It's not that. I would just want to see what they invested yeah. in that's I feel to for return. You. For your angle on this, as a sports fan in general, yeah. and certainly you guys follow the Vikings, that's what hurts for me, for yourself and other, you know, and, and, and you know, all that. I, I hope the Vikings went too. You know, the Vikings are a regional team. The Vikings doing great. That's That lifts all the ships. You know, we are a K-fan. You know, we're fan. We're, we're that. But that's the one thing that hurts. The what might have been's hurts because yeah. there is no closure. You have zero closure. All you have left is what might have been. And what makes this different is that the what might have been it happens to be in a year that he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Right. That's what that's the big slap. And and it's it's I you know, other organizations probably go through this too, but it just seems like it hits a lot of Minnesota pro sports teams. You know, it just it feels like it does. Okay, you know? A few text messages. There's no way the Vikings should sign Kirk Cousins. We can't afford him. Well, I think they'll make it work. I mean, they're gonna have to they'll get a quarterback unless you just think they should go with the rookie quarterback and get him under the rookie salary. You know what I mean? If they're going to get a quarterback, it's going to be somewhere. Even if they're going to have a bridge quarterback, it'll be at least $20 million, right? You think. I mean, it's just the, with the market that is the quarterbacks. <laughs> you would think um, that that's, that's going to be uh, Jack, $36 million a year would be a fairly good discount. Someone will pay him $45 million a year, no problem. I don't disagree with that. Uh, if if he checks out and healthy, and of course he's going to speak like that, Achilles, and we have doc, that's a benefit of having a guy like an orthopedic surgeon on right. once a week. Achilles will probably come back, you know, fine in this day and age. And then he's a pocket guy. They're, I don't know. Other teams aren't going to ask Kirk to run around, and 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 we, you know, that that's not going to be the case. So, I, I Texture's right, Derek. There are going to be teams out there that value Cousins maybe more than what the Minnesota Vikings want to value him to have a better right. organization. You know, well, Vikings I mean, would love to keep him on the cheap. He's in the top half of quarterbacks in the NFL. Is. There's no getting around it. You said it. The numbers are there. Mm-hmm. If the Vikings offer Kirk 30 and someone offers him 35, he'll take 35. Don't fool yourself. I, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I want to see it. Yeah, I want to see when if, if word gets out about what he takes compared to what is offered by the Vikings, that is going to be a huge storyline. I, I would add the caveat, though, on that, in def- and I feel like I'm defending Kirk. It just seems like a genuine guy. I would add a caveat to that. If, if the Viking to that texture, the Vikings offer him 30 and he takes 35, I would say, why did he take 35? And, and, and if you say, strictly because of the money, I'd say, well, wait. What else were the Vikings not doing where Kirk's desire is this, not necessarily as he said, and I take him as a general, not the money. It'd be like, are they not doing, are they not building around, do they not re-sign this guy, do they not structure, do they not, you know, I, that's but what But the I'm words came out of his mouth yesterday, Jack, that it's not about, the, I feel blessed or whatever, I want to stay in Minnesota. And yeah. so for the average layman fan, they're going, okay, you want to stay, you'll take $5 million less then. And, and, yeah, and he said, for all of these reasons, mm-hmm. all of these reasons, and that's where I'm diving into here. Not the money, all of these other structural everything, right down to the kindergarten that his kids are going. To, right, right, which we think is good, probably. I'd imagine the school <laughs> well, system yeah. is pretty good. Hey, we we got to see him firsthand last year. If you watch that Netflix documentary, I mean, you, all he, that seems important to him for sure. It seems very important, and he took some hits in that documentary. And you got to go through a life of mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a uh, Penix, Derek. Remember what I, I I think on social media. We were talking about how good Penix looked, and Penix looked, and and I put a little asterisk there, say hey, outside of the pocket and under pressure, you know that kind of thing. Now, granted, it looked like he was, it looked I was feeling painful for Penix yesterday. Well, Michigan's defense oh. is swarming. I mean, I, you know, you saw it. I think they beat Alabama by a couple scores if they don't have special teams mistakes. There's like three of them. So yeah. I mean, that game, I think the Rose Bowl, I think was the, the Michigan was a little tighter. They got away from the run game. Early on in that game, which they did not do last night, they right. just said, "Guess what? We're going to run it down your throat." They were not going to be as impatient as we were in Alabama, and 
the cream rose of the top there for, for it's sure. It's not the sacks. I mean, the sacks probably hurt, I'd imagine, hurt. It's the constant pops. Right. And that look, Penix looked like he was, it's the difference between, I guess, Mike Tyson and then fighting, I always use Virgil's reference, a converted southpaw that's just jabbing your ribs for 10 rounds. And Penix looked like he was getting his ribs jabbed for 10 rounds yesterday where he could barely breathe and walk at the end of the game. And you take away, though, that first, second half, excuse me, second half turnover, you take away that holding penalty on uh, Washington. Of course, the, the, I think Penix had some other areas to go with the ball late in, yep. in that game and, and, and chose some things. I'm still a fan of him. I think he slings a ball. He can fire a ball through well, a window. I draft him. Yeah, he can fire a ball through a window. Pretty good. He's he's going to be. I, I mean, I and I like the other kid too. I said that about McCarthy too. I think yep. he's going to be a fun kid to watch at the next level. So. Uh, Alan Horton. Oh, we're late, aren't we? Uh, Alan Horton joining us from Orlando today. A lot of Wolves uh, fan talk today. So we'll talk about Alan. We'll get a text club question out for you. It's a busy. Tuesday talker afternoon. Jack Michael show Derek. Half left to play. Wolves with possession from right to left. Towns up top. Straight away three. Bingo as it circles around the drain and finally drops. An 11 point Timberwolves lead. Their largest of the game. Seven forty. the fan. Fifth largest daytime signal in the country. So on behalf of Alan Horton, good afternoon to Regina, Saskatchewan and Manitoba and Wyoming and South Dakota. I'm about to Google things to do in Orlando. The voice of the Timberwolves, Alan Horton. Hi, Alan. How you doing, bud? Uh, hi, Jack. You didn't mention Utah. If you go to Utah, you stay you in Utah. Stay. You that, right? <laughs> Get him a ticket, Larry. Uh, say yes. Say yes. I'll buy you some new deodorant. <laughs> so you're doing the Orlando-Boston. Just be, besides the, the hoops and everything and game days, and people probably think, Boy, Alan's just living the high life. I bet you he he's over at Disney World and eating scones and by the bee. I, I get it. It's probably not that sexy, Alan. But uh, this is the Orlando Boston kind of leg. Uh, you like this combo platter here? Well, uh, you never want to go into the best uh, face the best team in the NBA on zero days rest when you've lost sixteen in a row. There, they've won twenty four in a row, good dating back to last season at home. Um, that is a daunting challenge, but. I think uh, I think first and foremost you gotta you gotta tackle the game that's right in front of you. And tonight, Orlando, they're facing two of the top five defensive teams in the league in in the span of, of 48 hours or 24 hours, mm. really. Um, and so it's this is no easy task, and it's a long flight tonight. And you're right, Jack. It is a bit of a grind. I, I mean, I barely left the hotel. You're prepping most of the afternoon. You're you're going to shoot around in the morning. Um, you know, it's it's. It's a grind, and we're on this four-game road trip, and this is wrapping up a 16-game gauntlet where you play 16 straight opponents over 500. So it's been really quality teams you're seeing every night. And if you're not if you're not at 100%, either health-wise or just you know a step slow, or you're just not on your game plan 100%, you suffer losses, and the Wolves have suffered some losses as they dropped three of their last four. I know the sky's not falling. I get it. 2024 has been off to a you know what one and three Allen start somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so the sky's not necessarily falling, uh, but of the three losses, every, we're still talking about winnable games on, on, on most of these, right? Yeah. Yes, the Wolves have been right in these things. And, you know, it started with New York, and then you had the, uh, let's see, you had the home loss in New Orleans, and you had Dallas the other night. These were all games, uh, maybe the New Orleans game was kind of, uh, you know, uh, more one-sided. But for the most part, um, it, it goes back to what I said. Like, if you're just not at 100% offensively and defensively, like they were kind of locked in earlier this year, um, and part of that has to do with the opponent you're playing. Guess what? They're really good, too. Sometimes it's a really good offense. Sometimes it's a really good defense. Um, so you have to give the opponents credit. But if you're just not 100% in everything that you do, uh, that game can be close. And even though the Timberwolves have been really good in close games, um, they got themselves into a close game in Dallas and then just couldn't finish down the stretch. You know, I want to like Luka Doncic, and I, and I suppose I do, because he, he reminds me of the, like, like after – you know, folks like us, Derek, and Alan, Alan's probably still just physically fit and playing City League basketball every weekend in St. Paul. I don't know. But Luca, Luca reminds, reminds me of that that 52-year-old City Leaguer that just still has it. Oh, yeah. He looks right? like the guy at the Y who's like, you know, was really good. Right. At, <laughs> at, at, at Division Two, And then he just goes in and rips up Noon League ball. Yeah, for yet, sure. Yet still, Alan argues with those City League officials. You know? It's like, All the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's relentless. Um, I'm glad we only see them three or four times a season because I don't. I, there are certain teams I just couldn't be a fan of, and I was if I was a Mavericks fan and Luca became part of my team, I just don't know if I could watch that every single night. 
It's amazing. I watched him warm up courtside the other night, and I'm, I'm just standing there. And it's amazing how he he doesn't look like an NBA superstar athlete. He's not this chiseled frame. Um, he's not he's not seven feet tall, or he's not he's not built like ant. But he's mat, He looks like a regular guy. He's but he's tall, so he's six seven, six eight. But he's really thick, and he kind of plays the game at at his own pace. It's not like he's sprinting up and down the floor. Um, and he doesn't, he doesn't lift off the floor a whole lot on his jump shots, but guess what? He's able to get any shot he wants, any time he wants. Um, and it's, I, I've come to kind of appreciate it, kind of like watching James Harden back in his Houston yeah. Rocket days. You didn't love it, but, you know, I started to appreciate it just the three or four times we had to match up a year. And Luka, is, um, he's incredible, but I, he, there's no doubt he turns people off with the level of complaining every single time. I mean, if, if, if they called fouls at the rate that Luka Doncic thinks that he gets fouled, that, that Dallas game would still be going on. It would last that long. I mean, every time down you're, the floor. You're right. Yeah, and the thing with it is the Timberwolves have cleaned that up a little bit. Every once in a while, Cat will get into it, and Anthony Edwards a little bit lately, but it's a lot better than what it used to be because that would that drove me crazy a couple years ago. Well, yeah, the fouling last year even was um, was a real issue. Just too much fouling, too much sending the opponents to the free throw line. Um, and instead of being a bottom 10 team in the opponent's free throw rate, they're now a top 10 team in um, I think they generally, Chris Finch has been pleased with the way the refs have kind of called the games this year because the Wolves have benefited. Uh, they, they've let things get a, a, you know, they've let teams play a little more physical than in years past. Um, yeah, there are still occasional games where Jaden will get into foul difficulty, Carl will, and and yes, there is complaining toward the officials. But we start the finally start to see Ant get the benefit of the doubt. He's getting the free throw line more than any player in the league since Christmas. Um, he's been relentless on his attacks. Um, and even, you know, he's starting, even though he's getting there at free throw line 10 times a game here since Christmas, it's uh, or 11 times, he's still complaining on, on missed ones too. It's, it's just so hard. I mean, if you were to actually stand there courtside and watch a drive and watch how many bodies are moving around and how quick the play happens, we, we'd all be helpless for whether or not there was a foul. You'll hear probably it. just blow your whistle because, yeah, I, right. I think I saw some contact in there. <laughs> right. I don't know who is who, but um, it's really difficult to do. This game is so hard to officiate. And I feel bad for the officials. I'll give them this. Every single year, guess what they do? They keep giving these guys more rules to keep track of. Right. It's, just, it's amazing that they're actually able to call these games and with all the new rules and variances and all that kind of stuff, what's, what triggers the replay, what doesn't. Hey, we got to keep track of whether somebody flopped or not. Oh, well, I'm, I was busy watching his feet to see if it was a two versus a three or a block charge. I mean, it's really hard. I, uh, Alan Horton, you'll hear Alan tonight on KFGO Radio, our sister station, the Mighty 790. I, I listen to you sometimes, or if you're watching Wolves games, almost like I'm listening to like a, like a session of Judge Judy when the, uh, the, the there's verdicts and they, they come over to the microphone now and they go to the court side. It's like, what have I just popped into here? It's like, here's a long explanation of why this is, and here's what we're going to challenge right now. It's like, oh, I don't know where you sit with all the technology and, and, and challenges, and we're going to go back over and look. Obviously, it's there for a reason because we have it. But now you mentioned the new rules, Al. I don't know where you sit with all of that. Yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope because once you, once you put instant replay into all sports, it's not just the NBA that's gone down this road. Um, you know, then it then you start you know breaking down like like it's a Zabruder film on a certain play. <laughs> right. Like, was this marginal contact or was this contact enough to dislodge a defensive player? You know, for the most part, um, I. I I understand you have to go to the monitors and look at things. I just wish it would happen in more timely fashion. I think sometimes the referees, they huddle up, then they send both teams to their benches, then they waltz on over to the scorer's table, then they announce, hey, we're going to look at this play for a possible uh, take foul or clear path foul, and it all just takes too long. And for the most part, most of the calls really don't – I try not to get too upset about them because most of them are pretty – um, there's enough time left in the game to overcome them. It's just not that important. Like down the stretch, I get it. Okay, final two minutes in a tight game, calls matter, ball out of bounds, those type of things really matter. Take your time, get it right. Uh, but for the most part, I try not to get too upset about a second or third quarter. And now with the challenge too, the, the extra challenge that coaches get, I feel like um, we're seeing more stoppages because they're, they've got that extra challenge in their back pocket if they're right the first time. The great Alan Horton with us. I know time is short, as he said. It's a lot of probably cutting into that some of that prep time. Good time. Good thing Alan's as good as there is. Right, and, but, yeah, it's a good break over here. We probably have a sandwich. And I don't know if this means anything. Derek and I were kind of because we look at the two organizations, the two franchises, Orlando Magic and the, the Minnesota 
Timberwolves and the uh, the Magic. Uh, you know what? What are we talking about? From uh, you know they've been in the league the same, right? It'd be basically yeah, yeah, yeah both thirty five years. Thirty five years. There are some similarities here, and then I found one that, that that's not. I don't know if there's even a question or a reason why, but I'll, I'll throw it at you uh, because as, as you said, Alan, thirty five years in the league, both searching for a, a title and all of that. And I and I started looking at. I wonder who, how many. Uh, Orlando Magic have been with the Magic, and who has the longest tenure? And and what is that? From like say, eight seasons and above, and comparable Minnesota Timberwolves, who's been with the Wolves, you know, eight seasons and above, and and so on and so forth. So they both yeah. been thirty five years, and 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 I looked at you, Derek, and I said, there've only been four Timberwolves that have been with the the Wolves for for nine plus seasons, man. And that's what, KG that was KG and Cat or two. That's Sam Mitchell, Doug West, Sam Mitchell, KG yep. and Cat. Yep. KG fourteen, Sam ten, Cat uh, and Doug West from Villanova uh, uh, nine. Then I looked at Orlando. Nick Anderson ten years, Jameer Nelson huh. ten years, Daryl Armstrong nine years, Pat Garrity nine years, Nikola Vucevic nine years. Uh, they do Turkaloo eight years, Dwight Howard eight years, Bo Outlaw eight years, twice as many Alan uh, that have been there. Now, I don't know what, if that means anything, anything uh, and in some of those names, but it, I thought, wow. Well, one team's been in the finals a few times, and the other hasn't. Well, and yeah. I don't know if we do we correlate that. I don't. I, I, maybe it's a longevity question, maybe. like you said there. I don't know. I think maybe if you looked at the overall win percentage of both franchises, I'm sure. Well, the Timberwolves have, have got one of the lowest in the NBA, so I, I'm I. I would venture that Orlando's got a higher winning percentage. They've probably been to the postseason more frequently. Um, you know, part of that is being in the East, which right. is you know through the years been a forty-seven to forty-one. To by the way, Alan, you're right. Forty-seven to forty-one percentage-wise, uh, Orlando and Minnesota. In, yeah. yeah. So I guess if you've got some groups that have that have then they've gone through some stretches. Like I think of Jameer Nelson and that trip to the NBA Finals and Howard. They had a pretty good core there for a while. Um, and, I, and I think if you're having success, you're probably more likely to keep um, guys on that team. It makes it worthwhile, even if they become expensive on the second or third contract. Um, and I think if you're probably not winning, you're, you're quicker to move on and try to remake your team. And that doesn't bode well for guys sticking around for a long time. Well, yeah. and also it does go back to one specific draft where the ping pong balls went to Shaquille O'Neal, where they went to Christian yeah. Leitner for that. I mean, that's, that's just a, a type of situation. Then the next year you get Chris Weber, which turns into Tracy McGrady and picks, you know, I mean, there's just, you, you get right. that type of luck two years in a row. Peel some of those onion yeah. layers uh-huh. back, I suppose. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they've, and they've, um, you know, they've gone through that recently the last two or three years here and they haven't had, they got Paolo Bencaro, what last year and became the rookie of the year. Uh, but they had a crack at the number one pick the last couple of years. Um, and, and I guess Paolo, I'm thinking of Paolo, I think Paolo was number one last year. Is that right? I think that's right. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yep. And then, so they didn't, they got lucky there, but they didn't get lucky the other two years. So it, it, it is, some of it does come down to the way the ping pong balls bounce. I mean, San Antonio is a great example of that. If it doesn't come up for them, I think over Boston with that, uh, with Tim Duncan back in 98. And then uh, of course, getting Wemby this year, even though they've only won five games, which I think is, uh, you know, not, not. Not that anybody's going to care that I criticize Greg Popovich, but I just think it's coaching malpractice what he's done to Wemby this year. And not um, our guy Trey Jones, man, he's a good yeah. point guard, and the numbers bear it out when he plays with Wemby. Guess what? Wemby's a better player. And if this year is all about making Wemby a better player, uh, you, you need to be playing him with a point guard, not experimenting with Jeremy Sohan at the point. That's been an absolute disaster. And guess what? Four years goes quick. I'm not saying Wemby's going to leave, but you need to maximize all your time with your star player from the moment you get him. And, and I just think. Um, not to get off the subject, but boy, it's been it's been really difficult to watch. Only five wins this year for the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. I got to do a covenant PA covenant cleanup here too. I meant Penny Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway. was the, the the one. McGrady was the yeah, drafted right. later. Right? Penny on that. So those three pretty good players in yeah, the '90s that just, you drafted. Yeah, so yeah, that's it. And you were just a, let's see, you were an SA in November, and then you had the Spurs came to town. I was I actually had that on my list for you, Alan, before we go because he, you know, we talked about a generational talent. You know, that's what everybody, you know, generational talent, you know, we'll see what we use. But uh, looking at him up close, what do you see in uh, Wemby? Um, Wemby. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know, most times you see, especially young, big players, they're, they're kind of gangly, right? They're not, they're not, um, they're not like completely coordinated, kind of like a baby giraffe learning to use yeah. his body and eventually he grows into it. But there's none of that with Wemby. He's so smooth and his, um, 
in his movements, uh, in, in, in the way he rises into his shot, with his handle. There's just none of that herky-jerky kind of uncomfortableness or uh, growing into his frame. He'll get a little bit bigger uh, strength-wise, but, I mean, he's got great size. He can handle the ball. And he can do things that nobody else can. I mean, it's, fu- it's fun watching the highlights of Wemby and then Chet Holmgren um, every single night. It's just uh, those guys are taking this game to a whole new level because they're at a size uh, at, at seven three plus that 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 not a lot of guys are, and they're doing things that nobody at that size has ever done before. It's, it, it, it's, it's it's really impressive. I think Wemby's highlight against um, he had a game against the Bucks last week in which Giannis went against Wemby, and there were plenty of highlights, but there was one where Giannis drove, looked to clear out, and Wemby held his own at the rim after he you know Giannis tries to shove him out of the way, but Wemby plants himself and is able to absorb that contact and then rise up and block the shot at the rim and keep it in bounds. It was just an unbelievable play. I, you know, I think there's 1% of the league that maybe just one player who is able to do that. That's that's, that was an incredible, incredible strength and savviness and knowing what was happening and all the things that go into a winning player. Going to be a, uh, a fun one, probably physical one tonight. We talk about the defenses that are in play. Alan, you must watch, if you ever get a chance you know, like to watch a high school game or a college game, talk about spacing. The yeah. the NBA, <laughs> see, Alan's already giggling over there. You get that, Alan, because you're just so used to you know <laughs> spacing on an NBA floor. Do you see some like yeah. tight-knit college or even high school going, wow. I just so I can't t- even watch it. Right, it's I, so t- sometimes I'll have a TV on and I'll see college basketball. And I just watch for about ten seconds, and I'm just like, I have no interest. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm used to guys spreading the floor, right. running plays, and like you know, just the shot clock too really bugs me in college. I know they've sped that up a little bit, but it's not the NBA. And and just having talent on the floor. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's just all five guys on the floor are out there for a reason. That's it's the cream, and most of the guys you're watching on TV. At college level, maybe one out of the 20 guys that are on the rosters is going to make it to the NBA. Probably not even that high. It's um, you know, just the level the level of playing this game is is uh, is is unbelievable, and it's even greater in person. I really sometimes, especially early on in a game on TV, I just don't know if it comes across that these guys are going as hard as they do. Sometimes TV makes it. Uh, just not sure doesn't I don't think does it justice I think he really have to see it in person yeah a Conley step back to free himself Doncic for that matter the the Larry Bird step back cast quick and the spacing you got to have when you've got bodies like Towns and Gobert plus with the knowledge that if Ants got the ball get out of there <laughs> get, out, get out of there you know you don't you don't even know what could happen you like you better be paying attention because it could be uh, a rim rattling dunk he could put someone on a poster it's um yeah, you never know. And, and all the little nuances that go into it. You know, Mike, you could just watch Mike the whole game and, and just uh, watch how he moves, where he positions himself, how he moves, how he work, rubs off a screen, all the little details that he is elite at doing that, that really don't show up um, in a box score. The uh, Wolves uh, still sitting 25-10. and 10. I mean, the run is still there. Uh, Oklahoma City, a game back. Denver, I mean, it, it, this is... This is tight. Do you see any separation? Last question for you, Alan. Do you see any separation as we move January into February? Or do you think she's going to be tight with a, how many teams in that conference? Yeah, I think um, I, I, I just don't, especially right now with the Wolves finishing up this gauntlet, it's going to be, um, you know, they're going to be, I don't know what the, you know, the actual goal is. I, I mean, you'd love to have that number one seed. There's no doubt about it. But um, at some point, someone's going to catch them. Um, and then it, it, it'll become interesting to me after this gauntlet is done, where you're playing these 16 games in a row against 500 teams, you know, you, you've got like the Portland trailblazers coming in Friday night. Um, can they kind of make some hay against, you know, they're going to face Portland four times. They need to sweep it. You know, if you're, you're going to be a top four seed or a number one seed, um, you've got to, and, and they've done that this year. They've taken those lesser opponents seriously and they have won the majority of those games, a great percentage of those games. Um, and you just you're just forced to play really good basketball all the time in this league. If if you want to be a top four seed and especially the number one seed, you've got a you, you still got three meetings with Denver coming up, and and uh, you still got a couple of meetings with OKC left. It's just you haven't even played the LA Clippers yet, and they seem to be on uh, at least they were on a little bit of a hot streak recently. So uh, there's still a ton of tough games left, and that's you know it's almost like the players don't even really look. Yeah, they're focused on the opponent for that night. But you just you just know it's going to be a tough test every night, and they kind of take the long term approach of just of just going through their routine and getting set and getting dialed in. Um, and you'd love to see this offense kind of catch fire. I think yeah. that's that's the area where 
you know, the other night in Houston, they kind of got, they got it going. The ball was moving. And it's just oftentimes that kind of disappears and it kind of disappeared against Dallas. They didn't shoot that well. Jaden had a rough night shooting the ball. It's got to, I think that offensive end has got huge room from improvement. And then maybe you take some pressure off your defense. You don't have to be at this elite level every single night. Um, to win you games. You'd love to see to get that offense into a top 10 offense. And they've been really, they've been in that 15 to 20 range for much of the last, you know, five, six weeks now. Got to ask uh, this, uh, if, if Mother Marge is tuning in, Mom, there at, at a young 92, I'd be remiss if I, I thought, and I get when you travel with teams, uh, do you ever feel guilty, Ellen? Uh, I don't know what they're getting for pregame meals, but, you know, the, you know, the, the, the play-by-play, the voice of, do you, do you get a, uh, do you wait for scraps and that? And then when the game is over, uh, I'm sure the fellows are getting a pretty good spread. Uh, does Alan Horton get a chance at that spread? And if so, what, what are the spreads in, in the yeah, NBA? Pretty uh, good? Yeah, but before the game, it's mostly just some light snacks there because guys don't want to fill up. They usually have a brunch at the team hotel after um, after their shoot around, and then they, most guys usually will take a couple hour nap in the afternoon and come out to the arena. They get a little something to eat uh, before a game just to get them through. But um, afterwards, there's there's a, a pretty good spread of you know usually some chicken and some fish and some meat, um, and they kind of load up. And then if we're flying, then there's another meal on the plane if you want that. And so it's, you know, they take care of the players because they realized years ago that, hey, we're investing all this money in players and we want them to be at their best. Why wouldn't we just um, spend some more money and make sure they're eating right, they're sleeping right, they're training right, and having their bodies in peak physical condition um, on a nightly basis? That's going to help us in the long run. So that's why you have the team nutritionist. You've got your strength and conditioning staff. You've got the training staff. You've got all sorts of people that um, kind of help help get these guys ready every single night and whether it's food or uh, training or doing different things. Sometimes they even vary things up just like the strength and conditioning staff does such a good job of just kind of varying things. Cause anybody who's lifted weights or worked out, I mean, tired of going on the treadmill, tired, tired of doing a bench press. They mix things up. They play different games um, at practice and it shoot around to kind of get warmed up. You know, the other day they were playing, you know, everybody had a basketball and they were trying to volleyball another ball into the hoop and they were using <laughs> five players at once. And so you bounce it around, you try to get, they were having so much fun. Love it. They played dodgeball a couple of weeks ago just to kind of get warmed up and um, into the spirit of things. Flip Saunders used to, uh, used to use a football. Guys love, you know, guys love other sports. Yeah, right. Guys are really good athletes. So they would throw a football around. They'd run post patterns across the court and stuff and have a lot of fun and try to get your feet in bounds and um, just different things to kind of get guys, um, you know, their work in, but do it in a way where it's not monotonous. It doesn't sound, Derek, like uh, the guys are getting fed two corn dogs and a bag of chips for the post game. That's meal safe there. to say. Uh, that's you Alan. Know, that's funny, not... Jack. Jim Peterson used to talk about uh, there was some event we were doing with uh, uh, a couple of the chefs, Gavin Kaysen and Andrew Zimmern. Um, oh, Andrew Zimmern, sure. Uh, part of the yeah, part of the Timberwolves uh, preparing their food at home, and you know, Jim Peterson was saying that before a game, he and uh, one of his teammates with the Houston Rockets, they used to walk to a McDonald's at about four in the afternoon <laughs> and power down some food before. And, and Jim says, you know, hey, that's you telling me that's not the proper way to prepare for a game, having a bunch of uh, Big Macs and a bunch of fries before a game. But that's really, that's really what it was back in that day. Like they didn't think too much about having that nutrition aspect. Oh, that's uh, good. Well, Alan Horn, I know what he gets, a steak sandwich. And a steak sandwich. That's oh. it. That's what he does right there. Put it on Underhill. Alan, we'll catch a call tonight on our uh, station here on our property, 790 KFGO. Thanks for the time, man, today, Alan. You're always generous with it. And uh, go see if you can't get a win tonight and, and maybe do the yeah. same. Uh, tough back-to-backs with Boston coming up. So that should be that should be good. Jack, always appreciate it, man. Take care. Th- thanks, Alan. Alan Horton, the great Alan Horton, joining us today, the voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves. 740 The Fan, KNFL. Tonight, Central and Cheyenne and Boys Hoops. Uh, looking forward to bringing you that. Uh, we'll kick her off a little after 7 o'clock tonight on the uh, the Fan Hawk Talk coming tonight at 6. And then uh, that man we just uh, heard from there, Alan Horn, you'll hear him. Uh, 545 pre, 6 after 6, the tip of the Wolves and Orlando. Dirk Nowitzki, 21 years with the Dallas Mavericks. 21 years. Kobe Bryant, 20. The Lakers. Udonis uh, Haslam. 20 with the Heat. Tim Duncan and John Stockton spent 19 years with their respective teams. Uh, Reggie Miller, 18 with the Pacers. Just going over some of the, you know, we were talking about uh, tenure. Manu Ginobili, 
and John Havlicek. Reggie six, Miller played 18 years? Think about that. 18 with the 87 to 2005. Wow. Huh. Those are your your tenured uh, or t- guys that played with one, one team uh, their career. Are you surprised there? I mean, because I think about one organization. When I think of longevity, not a lot of the turnover, patient with head coaches. Who do you think of right away? Well, the the Lakers have had a, had a had, pretty good. But the, Boston has had, a, and I, I should I should say in all sports. So I'm, I'm thinking more of the oh, oblong I ball. Pop been in San Antonio for, for yeah, a long right, time. Right, right, hundred percent there. So longevity, I've, not not as much turnover. One coach. I mean, the, 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 I think of the Steelers. Oh yeah, yeah, you you're know, right. Yeah, tied for the most amount of Super Bowls yeah. ever won by an org- like, organization like, in my lifetime. Maybe your lifetime too. I'm, I know, count their coach on one hand for three six. Yeah. There's been three. It's a good call. <laughs> and they've won Super Bowls. No, they've always been consistently good, but they've always been consistently good. Yeah. Really good. Not. Yeah. And I just wonder if we aren't, after a bad year, if they don't pull the trigger a little too quickly on some coaches. Like, even, like, there are some people wanting Kevin O'Connell a gun. No. Give, no. I mean, as someone who's followed the University of Minnesota, you know, P.J. Flex quirky, but I think you he's going to put you in a place if – I think I think COVID, the pandemic year, screwed him up. A guy who's very Type A regimented, right. that messed him up more than a guy who can. And that's not a good thing for PJ right. that you can't adjust. I think you do have to make adjustments. Right, right, right. But there's some consistency there. I don't think is bad. And I just wonder if you don't ride the storm out a little bit. I mean, you look at the Iowa Hawkeyes. I mean, France has been there forever, right. and they're consistently good, so, winning so their division. To your point, it's an outstanding thing you bring up because yeah, to your point, you're, you're look at at you got to take. Everything into context, as you said, uh, but if you are winning or above five hundred, and certainly in Tomlin's case, uh, above five hundred and consistently, if not in the postseason, certainly fighting to be, uh, because you can you can be in a division and, and everybody is above it, even though you're good. Just it's one of those particular years that everybody's a little bit better. Um, and I know we're not going to slide into term limits versus non-term limits, right? But but, but case in point. That uh, you're right. We we pull the trigger too much. Now, if a co- I, I look at high school, say high school coaches in Minnesota, North Dakota, uh, you know, teachers that are good teachers, that are good instructors, that coach and then adapt because people change. You know, right. it's a it's a whole new version. But most old school, they can adapt and they continue to win. Why? Eh, I mean, their system tends to work. They must know how to coach. You know, mm-hmm. must know must know what it takes. Well, a guy that you and I are both coach. pretty close with, I used to substitute teach for him, and you could even see how he adjusted from how he coached in the 80s compared to the 90s and early 2000s was Bob Torgerson. Exactly. I mean, there's yeah. a guy who... Uh, Bob was, yeah. I mean, he was hard-nosed, gonna play. but he also, you know, the thing he did, too, is like, if the only way you're going to get in trouble with me, if I hear from your parents before I hear from you. Well, yeah. I want to have a relationship with you that That's you can, if you're not happy about playing time, well, come to me. I will tell you about yeah. what's going on in practice, why you're not. Here's what I want from you. And when you bring that up f- front and forward, I yeah. think that is, I think that's something that, because we hear so much, all oh, parents, parents, parents. Well, I think you do have to take a little bit of a, a proactive approach too, as a coach. Sure. Here are the ground rules. I'm not going to get a phone right. call from your parents here. And right. I think that is a very important thing. And I think that successful coaches of today do that. And I think that within organizations, I think you need, I don't care what sport it is. You need a good coach who's a leader who can kick you in the butt and also pat you on the back. Yeah. And I think you need a leader on the field. Most times in football, it's a quarterback. Yeah. So are we too quick to yank the quarterback out too? I mean, like the Packers this year. Yeah. You know, they hung with Jordan Love. They hung with Aaron Rodgers when he was looking. I mean, we know they've had some turnover in coaches. But man, they've been consistent at that position for leadership, and there's no fans or butts about it in the last thirty years. Isn't it amazing too when you see an offensive line? You know, so and so's tenth year in the league, right? Twelfth year in the league. Think, boy, these guys are getting worn out every year in the trench. Hmm. Funny though, they're still effective and good. Do you think Trent Williams makes Brock Purdy's job a little bit easier? (laughs) Oh man, alive! The best left tackle in the sport. I mean, what uh, we didn't get to today? uh, This date, 1902, New York State introduced a bill to outlaw flirting in public, but that's not why you called. This date, 2005, Derek Randy Moss uh, pretended to moon. The Green Bay Packers. I was in the press box. You were there, January third. Let's see the NFL. Oh, on, on the thirteenth. So it happened on this day. Then four days later, the the NFL fined him ten grand. Do you think Randy just went, 
I'm, what was that? It was, was in my that was where the straight cash homie came. Straight cash homie. That's right. Straight yep. cash homie. So my question today, and <laughs> we're a little deep into the hour, was going to be what NFL act did you remember the most in that vein? Oh. What NFL act? Well, see, I didn't see it live, and Mark Rosen was sitting right behind me. He goes, oh, did you see that? And then we all kind of watched the replay. And then, of course, if those were watching it, Joe went off yeah. on another thing and all, and all that. Um, Owens. Yeah, going to the star. Star, right? Yeah, that's one of that's them. That's an NFL act that, that comes to my mind. Moss, obviously, mooning. Uh, who had the phone horn? Uh, Joe Horn. Right? Wasn't there yeah, like a cell a, phone? Yeah, I think you're right there. In, a, in, a, in the pad of the goalpost? That'd be the NFL act in that kind of Charles White slamming Jim McMahon well after the play and separating his shoulder is one I'll never forget. Oh. That was yeah. you know, remember that at the old soldier yeah. field on that turf. Because that was, you know, just deliberate and dirty. It just no getting around it. Man, NFL act that uh yeah. Live so, in infamy. Yeah, it will be. So that was gonna be my yeah, maybe we'll bring it up some more. Well, time, I think when your Cowboys broke of, up the fun bunch, I'll never forget that either. Oh, you know, oh yeah, with the, with the Redskins at I mean, the that, time. That's when that rivalry yes. was at the height, too. Oh, Danny, that was a fun one. Uh-huh. And I was like that was a you know, I was as much as, you know, and I just wasn't I'm a Cowboys guy, follow the Cowboys. But man, I like Gary Clark. I had no problem with Joe Theismann. I uh, John Riggins. Are you kidding me? Well, even Love as a Cowboys fan, my team. You it's know, much like me. With, yeah, it's like me respecting Favre and Walter Payton being a Vikings fan. Yes. If you don't respect Daryl Green Darryl and Green. some of those teams that Joe oh. Gibbs had and oh. some of the players that he had, but that's what made it great. All oh, right, hundred percent. That's just what made it great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, now I've done it to myself, Derek. Mm-hmm. I, now this afternoon, I'm going to start thinking of NFL acts. I had the phone, the moon, the football stamped on the star. Chris Dishman not tackling Antonio Freeman on Monday Night Football and letting him on the ground yeah. pick it up and go and winning the, the game. The uh, lay down for the sack. I don't know if that's in that vein. Oh, for Favre, yeah. You know, Michael Strahan. That's in that vein or not. Uh, we'll have to pick that up again some other time and get your text at 35270. Hawk Talk tonight at 6. By the way, that... Uh, that a UND men's game, basketball game this Saturday with Kansas City. They moved it up. Why? Chiefs? Yeah. <laughs> I like how they said because of traffic. Yeah, for the 400 people that are going to be there just want to watch the game. Don't, don't, they're not fooling me. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, come on. Let's see. Leon Lett. Oh, yeah. They're, see, they're Ooh, coming yeah. in now. Uh, stick around. Common Man is next. High School Hoops tonight. Central and Cheyenne here on 740. The Fed. Thompson Holmes, our passion.